Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woo! Yeah. Hey, guess what? What? Today we're talking about Pedicularis and Solomon Seal. Uh, your two favorite herbs on the whole planet. They're pretty... Except for some other ones except, that are also your favorite herbs. Except for my other favorites. These are my favorites. Yeah. This is the way favorites work. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Um, it says here in the notes that we're supposed to remind you that we, um, make these podcasts so that you can decide whether you like the way that we talk about plants. And if you do, then you can decide that you would love to take online courses with us. And because we're going to be talking about Pedicularis and Solomon Seal, I was just thinking the musculoskeletal course is really appropriate Mm -hmm. Um, because Mm -hmm. these are two herbs that can be really helpful with musculoskeletal issues. And I'm sure uh, we will talk about that at great length for the next however long it is that we're going to be talking. (laughs) You can find the musculoskeletal health course along with all of our courses at online.commonwealthherbs.com. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, it's not just sprains and strains. We do talk about arthritis. We do talk about just, you know, what happened? What do you do when you have a dry, crackling joint that pops mm. uh, every time that you move it or the first time you move it in the morning or things like that? Chronic um, back pain is in there, um, connective tissue stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how to get specific with your herbs so that you're picking the right ones for the right people at the right time. Ooh. Like how I was specific with. The connective tissue stuff. That stuff there. That's the technical term. (laughs) Yes, but uh, you can learn much more there. You can also learn a little bit here once we get rolling. But first, let's just remind you that we're not doctors. We're herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States. So these discussions are for educational purposes only. We want to remind you that good health doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. Good health doesn't exist as an objective standard. It's influenced by your individual needs, experiences, and goals. So keep in mind that we're not attempting to present a single dogmatic right way that you should adhere to. Everyone's body is different, so the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some good information to think about and some ideas to research further. Finding your way to better health is both your right and your own personal responsibility. That doesn't mean you're alone on the journey, and it doesn't mean that you're to blame for your current state of health, but it does mean that the final decision when you're considering any course of action, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician, is always your choice to make. All right, so I guess this is podcast episode like 206. 206! Let's make some choices. Let's do some health interventions. Yeah. We have said that 206 times, and I have to read it every time. What is my problem? (laughs) You'd think I could say it in my sleep. We have edited it it several times. I think the the very initial version was a little rough compared to where we've got it to now. Yeah. Uh, It it has expanded a little bit, as our words tend to do once we get going. Um, (laughs) Oh, we better get started, then. (laughs) Uh, So, hey, let's talk about... Let's talk about pedicularis. That's that's the way that we say it um, for clarity, because this is an herb that goes by the common name of betony or even wood betony. But if you hear me and Katya say wood betony, we probably mean the herb Statius officinalis or Statius betonica. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is a I, actually Particularis is my favorite example of this. Um, yeah. So it's a very like East West United States kind of thing because mm-hmm. Particularis does it does grow in the East, but it is yeah. not. Um, the like the kind of showier versions of it grow in the West, and it's um, a plant that used to be much more common to work with in the West. Yeah. And so in the, <clears throat> you need altitude anyway, and like yeah, I don't think Massachusetts really has enough altitude for particulars to grow. No, no, <laughs> there are some in the like Mid Atlantic Appalachian areas, but um, I think they more call it lousewort there i don't think they call it betony somebody who lives there can correct me if that's wrong Mm. um but at any rate in this part of the country if we say betony it is it is statues but in the west if they say betony it's probably particularis um and so this is just yet another reason why you have to learn your latin names even though it can seem a little bit obnoxious it really is helpful um, it's not wasted effort. You are going to use those Latin names for sure. Yeah. They're different from each other, right? Um, so The Latin names? The Latin names, the herbs, the two of them, they're different from each other. Uh, Statius is uh, a nice light herb with not too intensive a flavor. Mm-hmm. A little bitter. A little bitter. Come on. Oh, it's so minimal. <clears throat> yeah. It's very... And it has, some little, it has some little light aromatics that don't particularly taste like anything, but they're there moving around, you know, there's some activity. Uh, so Statius, it, it has this primary effect of taking a mind that's like caught up in your skull or floating above your head and bringing that center of consciousness down back into your body mm-hmm. and helping you to kind of live from your middle. Also to get out of your, your throneness, right, your projection into the future, your worries about the past and take you to this moment. So it's a very, like, presencing, centering, grounding kind of a remedy. That's the statues, right? Betony. Pedicularis isn't 100% different, right? These are both relaxant plants. Right. They're similar in that they are both relaxants. Right. I wouldn't think of pedicularis so specifically for that getting your body, getting, getting your mind back into your body. You're getting your body and your mind closer interwoven together. That's a very specific status situation. Pedicularis, I think of kind of, kind of in a more general relaxant way, right? In a more like, let's get all your skeletal muscles nice and loose, um, rather than for that particular effect on your mind and your emotional pattern. Right. I feel the same way that pedicularis can relax your mental state, but it does that by releasing the tension that you're holding in your body. And then when you're not holding musculoskeletal tension, you don't like that's a biofeedback signal to your brain that you mm-hmm. can relax your like mental and emotional state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, so that doesn't mean that we can't work with particularis on an emotional level. Absolutely. And I think that Rin is actually a fantastic example of that situation in that you carry so much tension in your body and sometimes that's the only thing that is the driver of like emotional tension Mm -hmm. and so if if you have that kind of a 
situation, that kind of a constitution where you just carry a lot of tension, um, you might you might find that mental and emotional tension has kind of come out of nowhere. You don't even maybe know what to attribute it to. That's the kind of situation I'm thinking about when I would be yeah. looking specifically for particularis for emotional health. Right. Yeah, statues sometimes you can choose to work with even if the person is got some physical laxity to them or oh absolutely you know, that's yeah not, like that tension pattern isn't the major physical feature for them but i would really look for that if i'm going to choose particularis and be like okay we have tension in the jaw we have tension in the in the neck we have tension in the sides of the temples or we have them in the shoulders mm-hmm. um even into the lower back you know particularis it can get to muscular tension in lots of places in your body and here I'm talking about taking it orally, but you can you can apply it topically. You can convey some uh, relaxing effect, like right through the skin and through the muscle that way. Well, it's like skullcap in that in that regard. Although skullcap is kind of um, it, it, specific for that sort of base of the neck kind of region, yeah. um, it it works really well there. Yeah, the two of them go well together. Um, the particularis in there is a way to kind of dial up the the efficacy of that muscle relaxant effect a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, it's a really great herb to take as tincture. The particularis is you can really feel it quite rapidly. You know, you take a dropperful dose or a teaspoon dose, and you'll you know wait fifteen twenty minutes, and your your body, your muscles, the tension spots in you, they're gonna they're gonna feel that difference um, almost always. You know, I feel pretty confident for that one. It's also a good herb to work with in tincture because it is not abundant. Um, it's It only grows at altitude. It's not super, super easy to get your hands on. Um, and so if you are make, like if you have a plant that you want to make into medicine and you don't have a lot of it, then tincture is a better choice because you can make more medicine with less plant matter. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this is one for sure to seek the ethical wild crafters um, or people who are cultivating. I honestly have to admit I don't I don't know too much about cultivation of particular species. Um, just based on what I am familiar with about its ecology, I reckon it would be difficult yeah, to recreate so the kind of wild conditions um, at home. So th- that doesn't mean impossible. You know, there are a number of plants that it's not so easy to do, but is yet done. Uh, to cultivate or even cultivate organically, but again, I'm not I'm not very sure on the situation here. When I've worked with Pedicularis, it's been um, uh, preferably uh, nine out of ten times that I've done it has been buying it from somebody who harvests it, and I know that their ethics are really good. Mm-hmm. You know, like literally Howie. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> it's kind of the place that I would prefer to get it from. Yeah, uh, just because I know for sure that that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. that's uh, that that's ethical all the way around. You know. I mean, another way to do that is there are some Western herb farms that do sell it and they may be wildcrafting, but one way that you can tell that it is, uh, or one way that says, oh, this looks promising, I should get more information, is if they ration it, if they say that any person can only order this much, 
And if they also say we have X amount and that's all we will have and we will not harvest more than that, like those two factors, then that's a pretty good sign um, for you to then, like I'd still would contact them and ask for sure. But those mm-hmm. are the sorts of things that we want to see people saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of similar to what you were saying about how tincture is effective and you can uh, take... You can ultimately only only need a small amount of plant material to make a, a good a good decent amount of tincture. I mean, when I talk about tincture being effective. This is one where, at like your standard one to five ratio, or even a, you can make a one to three if you like, but somewhere in that range is is pretty common for preparing tinctures of this herb, and they work great. You don't need these like extra concentrated ones or to. Or big, big doses. To follow, follow the strict, you know, fluid extract preparation where you get a one-to-one uh, ratio or anything like that. It's not necessary. You know, tincture's fine. I also, this is an herb that you can feel the effect through smoke. Um, you can really, you can taste it on smoke. It's it's a light flavor. It does add a bitter element to it, though. Like a lot of relaxants have a bitter element mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially the relaxants who convey that activity through smoke because not all of them do um some of these constituents are going to get burned up or you know transformed into an unuseful way by fire but whatever is doing it in particularis it passes through the fire um right into you and you get a you get a pretty quick onset of that relaxant effect and again just a tiny tiny little little amount um is going to do that so Mm -hmm. that can be a nice way to work with it for those who are already occasionally having a little pipe here and there yeah, don't take up smoking so that you can smoke particularis. Just work with a tincture. It's totally fantastic. Yeah. But, it, you know, if you are a person who is trying to become less dependent on cannabis, for example, and maybe you work with cannabis um, to release tension, then this could be a plant that you maybe add in. There are lots of other plants that yeah. can do that work too, but this could be... Right, yes. Yeah, a kind of a relaxant formulation, you know, some particularis, a little skullcap... Um, you could put it some mullein or some, some mugwort is the base there. A little touch of catnip could be nice, but yeah, a little, little set of relaxant herbs. This one in there would, would work really, really well. Mm. Yeah. I, I should say about species, you know, we just keep referring to Pedicularis, the, the entire genus altogether. Um, and from, from what I understand, there's at least several species, if not, if not hundred percent, all of the species are going to have crossover effects, but Let's say Pedicularis densiflora, Canadensis, and Grainlandica are three that I've tried, and they all feel very, very similar. Mm-hmm. They look a little bit different, they taste a little bit different, but in terms of that body feeling and that muscular release and the calm that can follow for those of us who are wound a little too tight, um, <laughs> then uh, each of those species has worked very similarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of wound a little too tight, uh, I think that is a, a beautiful transition to <laughs> Solomon's seal. Yeah. Um, Solomon's seal is a plant that uh, I had worked with for a long time, but really f- very strictly in the like musculoskeletal toolkit. And um, early in our relationship, uh, you, Rin was still teaching martial arts at the time. And when Rin taught martial arts, he did the whole class 
in mirror reverse so that the students watching him would see exactly him doing the same thing they were doing on the same side or whatever. Yeah, these are mainly techniques classes, so it was a lot of like, okay, you're going to do this movement 30 times, and then the next movement, and we'll check your form and all of that. (laughs) Um, And, you know, sometimes your teacher just sort of tells you what to do, and then you do it, and they pace around and look, but I I had to move. So Yeah, he (laughs) did. I was like, I'll just just do the whole class myself, too. He would do the whole class, (laughs) but backwards. Um, And he would teach like five classes in a row on a Saturday, you know, and, and just all back to back. And one of these marathon days, he uh, did something and sprained his ankle, but good. Mm. And uh, so out came the Solomon seal. And the funny thing was that it worked really great to help his ankle, but also everyone around him suddenly started saying like, hey, you're acting a lot more flexible lately. <laughs> yeah, so we were we were uh, noticing that this is an herb for flexibilities, plural. Um, <laughs> uh, and so we're thinking here about emotional flexibility. Yeah. Yes, yes. Maybe what some people were saying was, hey, you're not being such a stubborn goat. But um, that wasn't me. I was not saying <clears throat> no, that. No, she wouldn't. She wouldn't have said that. No. Out loud. No. To me. No. <laughs> no. Um, no. But okay, so it's kind of silly. And like, listen, all of you. Um, all of I, you stubborn goats, listen up. No, I was going to say all of you spouses of stubborn goats, ah, actually. Okay. Like, listen, it's, it's, never, it's never awesome to be like, oh, this is just the herb to fix my husband yeah, just or like, to, what, you, what you want to do is you want to get a nice a nice tincture and just sneak about nine drops into every cup of coffee they drink. That should take care of it. <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, it's worth a try. I'm not saying that like, um, uh, marriage is a whole thing y'all. And I'm not perfect either. So, so we can tease about stubbornness um, because we can also tease about many other things um, in in both directions mm. and, and a lot of them in this direction. So uh, what I'm saying is that I am not saying all you spouses of stubborn <laughs> people to tr- that, that Solomon Seal will fix your spouse and turn them into a suddenly flexible person who's easy to live with. Um because it's not right to try to fix them and turn them into, like, whatever. Come on, I'm trying to say a thing, and it's just not they're, coming out right. Okay, listen, uh, this herb can be very helpful for this particular purpose. You do need to have the intention clear in the person taking the remedy, right? So, uh... Stubbornness becomes a habit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the thing is here that this this kind of um, observation is is self-perpetuating. Um, and so by that, I mean, once we started to notice this and receive some comments, then it was like, oh, okay, that's now one of the things to take that herb for, Rin. That's now one of the things to uh, remember about that plant. This and, is what I'm trying to say. And to call do on not it go when to your, required. Do not go to your spouse and say, babe, I think you need some Solomon seal today. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh-huh. That's what I'm trying to say. That's not what this plant 
Don't do that. Don't do that. No, but what what can be helpful and probably wasn't expressed in exactly this way, but like uh, a way to sum it up is, hey, you know, you're actually trying to change your habits or you're trying to be more mentally flexible or in the case of that original injury, you're trying to cope with the fact that this stresses you out a lot and makes you feel uncertain about your identity as a, as a martial arts teacher <laughs> and that that's okay. getting all into, up into your emotions and we need something for that as well. And oh, look, this medicine that operates at the physical level to release tension and allow better fluid movement within the body can also be doing that on your emotional uh, planes at the same time. Mm. Isn't that surprising? No, that's completely it's normal completely herbalism. completely reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. But it's it amazing is. nonetheless and uh, very worth calling on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, right, you know, about a week ago, uh, it became necessary for me to put the Solomon Seal bottle back on my desk and take my <laughs> nine drops a day. And not just because my thumb started to click and crack. Although they have. And they've been hurting me lately. And it's, I guess it's like my time. All right. I don't He's have, getting the, old, I yeah. don't have as many gray hairs as I want, but I have crackly thumbs. I had way and, more gray hair at, and, at your age. Than... And so for that as well, uh, Solomon Seal, it's time. I think maybe the way to say this is, gosh, this is like the most graceless description of a plant ever. I, maybe I need some Solomon's Yale. I think the way to say this is that mm, from the outside, you can look at a stubborn person and you can be like, ugh, it is such a drag to deal with this person who is so stubborn. But from the inside, when you're feeling very stubborn, often that's not comfortable. Like often that feels bad or it feels restrictive or constraining and you might actually like to do something different but maybe you don't know how or you you like you're stuck there in that place of not being able to um have access to other options and so like that's what Solomon Seal provides is the ability to access other options, the the ability to allow other things to come in so that then you can make choices that feel more comfortable for you. And that's what's going on physiologically too in the joints. It allows fluid movement to occur. It allows fluid to move into the joints and lubricate and create a broader range of movement and all that good stuff yeah this feels really good i think maybe i should exercise my wrists a little water water fluid movement with the fingertips yeah that's pretty good i mean this herb is really fantastic in water as a as a decoction um it tastes good for one thing it's a nice sweetness to it there's a little bit of acrid in solomon seal if you bite into a fresh one but not so much once it's dried um it's hard just it's yeah, it's, I mean, listen, if you're comparing it to Lobelia, there's really no acridity at all. Yeah, I mean. But, but if you're comparing it to parsnip, okay, there's just a smidge. Yeah, just a little. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it, de- decoction is lovely. Um, we we tend to be a little conservative when we're working with Solomon Seal. We're not going to just grab handfuls of it and toss it in every day. Um, <clears throat> it's usually either, boy, the joints are really hurting us lately, or... Um, Hmm. No, it's usually that. It's usually that. <laughs> that, like... that leads us to be like, okay, put it in the decoction. Let's really have some. Also, we're going to, you know, refill the water two or three times at least. 
uh, as we drink that down, refill it, reboil it, you know, to make sure we're not leaving anything behind. Mm -hmm. Um, Essentially, if your Solomon seal bits have disintegrated into your decoction, then you've cooked it long enough. Yeah. Or you've cooked it enough times. And you can eat them, too. Like, if you're just making Solomon seal decoction and nothing else, you can absolutely eat the root bits once they get soft. You could cook them into rice all day. Mm -hmm. um, Or Mm -hmm. even more than normal rice, if you're making congee or something like that, you could cook that in. Um, this is a convalescent food. This is a very nourishing, you know, sort of a substance. Um, so could be worth including for those reasons. And it won't be gross. It'll taste it, like it'll taste good. It'll taste like parsnips, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, a little a little nuttier than parsnips, but like yeah, something. It's kind of somewhere between flavor. a parsnip and a potato. I don't know. It's it's quite pleasant. That's a little nutty flavor to it. Yeah. 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 But we do more often prepare it right up into a tincture. Um, you know. Because if you if you harvest it yourself, then now you only have like a couple of roots to work with, mm. and you can make several ounces of tincture. And and then when you take your Solomon seal dose, you don't need enormous doses. You don't need a tablespoon of Solomon seal tincture to get the effect you want. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, my dose is just nine drops of tincture, and we're going to take that four or five times in the day now, right? And that but part even is that important. still is not. You're not even having a tablespoon a day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so, you know, when you do the tincture, then you can kind of stretch your, uh, your amount. Um, and that's, that's the other option there. You could even tincture it and then take the mark and then cook that into food, Mm -hmm. right? If you want to be extra, um, extra, uh, conservationist (laughs) there. You know, it's also important to recognize that Sondland seal is super easy to grow. Um, it grows lots of places like I was so surprised to find it growing in the Gila desert um okay it was on a riverbank under a tree but still like even there it was so tiny even there it was growing and um so it is at risk in the wild but you can go get it at a garden center it's actually a very popular plant I prefer not the variegated kind. I prefer um, the biflorum or multiflorum um, that just has the plain green leaves. I feel like the those roots are stronger. Yeah. In general, I always prefer the unimproved plant over the ornamental plant. Right. The improved plant, like that's what they that's what they how they refer to it. Um, but it it does like dampness. Um, and it likes to be under a tree. It doesn't, it, it wants shade. Um, but other than that, it's like, you know, if you have a tree in your yard and nothing grows under the tree and it's just dirt under the tree, that's the place for Solomon seal. It grows fast. It's easy to grow. You don't have to do much to it. And, um, in a few years, you'll have a lot of roots. If there's deer around, you may need to protect it from the browsing. Yeah, they do. They do like a nice salad bar of Solomon yeah, seal. Apparently, they can eat the leaves and, and upper parts, and they're fine with it. Humans can't do that. You'll probably just get an upset stomach. Your heart rate might kind of get a little wonky. Um, this herb is somewhat related to lily of the valley um, and other herbs that have constituents that can very powerfully alter the heart rate and uh, beating strength. There's some of those present in the leaves and, and flowers and berries of Solomon seal. And that's why the herb is often labeled toxic in a plant identification guide. Um, but the root is, like we've been saying, benign, nutritious, medicinal, um, extremely safe stuff. Mm-hmm. So 
just to add that level of clarity there. And to also, <clears throat> while we're clarifying, the root is a rhizome. Yes. Um, very similar to calamus, very similar to ginger. Mm. So, you know, it'll have that kind of fleshy, mm, like moist part. Yeah. And then the little roots will come off of that. Yeah. It is very similar to calamus and ginger in terms of like shape and everything, but also it's really good together with them, mm -hmm. either in a decoction or in a chewing mixture. And that's one way I really love to work with Solomon seal is have little slices of it or, or little pieces of it, um, uh, either by itself or in a mixture together with, I like, I like a combo where I have Solomon seal, calamus, a little bit of licorice root. Really, those three are, are kind of my favorite root, rooty pieces to chew on. And mm. I, I like the three of them together. You get the, like, there's a sweetness from Solomon Seal and a very different sweetness from licorice. And then the, like, bitter heat from the calamus comes through. It's really nice together. Mm. Maybe some fennel seeds could go in there next time. That might be good. You know, um, recently someone, uh, one of the students asked if it's safe to eat dried dandelion root. And I was like, well, yes, but I'm not sure that you would want to. And I, cause I, I really expected it to be very hard and like unpleasant to chew on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I grabbed some to see like, like, does it hurt your teeth? Is it like that hard? I don't know. I've just never chewed on dried bits of dandelion root before. Mm. Uh, it turns out it's really nutty and kind of delicious. And that would be a nice addition to your yeah. Rin loves to chew on roots. He loves it. He loves to chew on roots. And he like has all these little tins of I do. I have chewing everywhere. roots everywhere. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you could add that to your to your mix. That would be good, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it would go really nicely with the Solomon seal, like the because they both have a little nuttiness, but then the Solomon seal goes in a sweet direction and the dandelion root yeah. goes in kind of a, a bitter, direction, bitter direction. And then, yeah, it would be really, really nice. pleasant. That's cool. You had brought up the thing about the variegated species. Um, Species-wise, you know, like you say, we're usually thinking, talking here about Polygonatum biflorum and Polygonatum multiflorum. Um, there's also, you're going to sometimes encounter Polygonatum odoratum, particularly in the context of Chinese medicine. Um, the thing about that one is that... Uh, Chinese medicine, of course, has its own set of indications for the plant, not only about musculoskeletal aspects, so there, there is some overlap. Um, they also discuss it in some contexts more generally as a yin tonic. Um, think about this in, in comparison to plants like shatavari, um, or even for that matter, marshmallow, right? Mm -hmm. This is a demulcent plant. It's a sweet demulcent. It's a little bit polysaccharide-y. You know, it'll get you a little bit Polysaccharidal? Of, there we go. Nice. <laughs> a little bit of viscosity uh, in your fluids, but it's it's primarily having that sweet demulcent effect, kind of similar to fennel or licorice. Um, some of the stuff, though, that I've seen, like students have brought in uh, prepared uh, uh, Solomon seal root um, from a, a Chinese medicine herbalist. And in some of those preparations, I think they've been doing things like where they soak them with the, the soy infusions and or they like fry them or whatever <clears throat> or they fry yeah. them in honey or, or oil or whatever else and, and that will change the qualities sometimes pretty substantially so i just mentioned that because if you're ever reading a write-up about polygonatum you know radix or whatever and then they start talking about it having heating properties um that was almost certainly one that was prepared 
and, mm-hmm. and, and honestly mixed with other herbs um, to, to generate that type of effect. The herb on its own is cooling, moistening, and relaxant mm-hmm. pretty, pretty undisputably, you know. Um, so that's a species thing to be aware of. The other thing to be aware of is the is the false Solomon seal. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> that's like calling somebody false Bob. Yeah, that's why we don't do it. We, we we call it uh, Solomon's plume instead. That also helps you to tell them apart or to to distinguish between them if you encounter them in the forest. Solomon's seal it it's an arcing stem. And it has clusters, pairs or clusters of berries, of flowers, and then later berries that hang down at multiple nodes uh, uh, underneath the stem. And they're like elongated <clears throat> bell flowers. Yeah. The, the other one, the myanthemum, the so-called false Solomon seal or Solomon's plume, it presents all of its flowers on a plume at the tip of the, of the same kind of arcing, uh, bending stem. Kind of like <clears throat> goldenrod, except that the shape of the plant is... Very different. It's just that the flower spray is very similarly shaped. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, even from fairly early in the in the springtime, when they start to begin to produce the structures that will become the flowers, you can kind of see which direction your your little, you know, your little Solomon of whatever type is <laughs> going in. And you can be like, oh, okay, you're Solomon's plume, you're Solomon's seal. That's great. There's a lot of crossover between them. Um, in terms of action and flavor and everything, but when we're looking for that musculoskeletal remedy, mm-hmm. um, move those inner fluids, get them into the connective tissue layers, then we really do prefer polygonatum yeah. over the myanthemum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely grow some. Definitely grow some. This is a service that, that you can provide, and even if you think that you are not very good at gardening or like nothing ever grows for you. You can't overwater it and um, just make sure it's not in the sun and you're, you'll be all set. And then you've got this plant that is at risk, but you are putting more of it into the world. And that's pretty exciting. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I think that'll be it for us uh, for this, for this episode. We'll be back next time with some more herbs for you. Um, looks like we're going to be coming up to Hushawu and Self Heal. Mm, that that'll be, be an interesting mix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I was thinking as we were sort of wrapping up there is that at the beginning we were talking about the musculoskeletal health course, but uh, we ended up talking a lot about emotional health. Mm-hmm. And so I also want to reference the neurological and emotional health course um, because you might really like that. So if you're dealing with um, all kinds of emotional health things that you want to support or neurological health things. Yeah, yeah. that course is, I think maybe the connection to draw would be that was an, an opportunity for us to get out of your sort of usual set of, uh, of nervy nerves, right? So. Yes, chamomile makes a lot of appearances in that course. Yes, oh, sure. yes, catnip and tulsi and and betony itself um, comes through. But also, we get to talk about things like when and why to work with sage or with Solomon seal or, for that matter, with yarrow um, for these kinds of emotional and mental patterns, mm-hmm. and uh, thinking about the ways that we can observe the impacts of constitutional balancing or working with a person's and an herb's energetics 
and the way that that can impact not just the physical body, but also the mental and emotional body. Mm. And uh, that's really fun stuff. So you should it's check really that course fun out. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can check that out. You can find that and all of our courses at online.commonwealthherbs.com. And uh, we think you'll love them. We do. Yeah. So that's it for us. Um, we'll be back next time. Until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Drink some tea. Drink some tea. Chew some roots and stay flexible. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.